It's the Chopping It Up Welcome to episode 8 of the Chopping It Up podcast. I am your co-host, Noah Filippiak, along with... Hello, Tyler. Oh, I thought you were going to say my name. Uh, Tyler St. Clair. Keeping you on your toes today. I'm, I'm awake now. Thank you. I'm Wake up. Go eat, some, uh, go eat some Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Whoa, whoa. There's been a lot did. of racist. That is not racist. Was Tyler, do you feel like that was a racist? He's comment? going to get some. He's got some right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some right next to him. At all times, be prepared <laughs> to give an account of the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Wow! Jesus. What the devil? What the devil meant for evil? How about God use somebody? <laughs> God use somebody. <laughs> what the white devil use? When you hear crunching, <laughs> listeners, when you hear crunching in the microphone, you will be here. I'm done eating now. The Reverend St. Clair eating spicy Cheetos. Trending segment because we have a great trending drop that we play here. Trending topic. That was good. That was good. So. Just to update, we talked about Keith Lamont Scott's shooting a few episodes ago. He was the one in Charlotte that was in his car, and the police were trying to get him out of his car, and he got out of his car, and they shot him. Uh, I believe this also was the one where the, the wife was in the parking lot and taking <laughs> video as well and saying, don't shoot him, don't shoot him, and then they shot him. So the officer got no charges. Um, and I think that I also, I'll, I'll bring that up first. Well, first we, let's talk about that in and of itself. Are you guys surprised that the officer got no charges? <laughs> I'm never surprised. Right. Right. It's kind of expected. Yeah. I mean, in so many cases with that same outcome, it's, it's not even surprising. And to be honest, it hasn't been surprising even before all of this uh, became big on social media. We just we knew this from the area we've we've grown up in. I mean, this type of thing was normal. Cops were able to do whatever they wanted without any kind of punishment. It, what I what I've noticed is far too often um, they either don't get charged or they get uh, a lesser charge in mm-hmm. manslaughter. Um, and just if you know. Uh, if you know anything about the uh, criminal system, that's that's a it's a big difference between first degree murder and um, manslaughter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not yeah. surprised. That's an unfortunate thing. I was trying to figure out how he got off with no charges, and I just think there's a couple important things. You know, the the one story I was reading was about how. He did have a gun on him, and they show a video of a gun in an ankle holster that's covered up by his pants mm-hmm. while he's standing there, you know, with his hands up. And when we watched the video, this is the one where he's, like, walking away backwards, you know, like mm-hmm. very peacefully. Um, let me just say this. In our country, you're allowed to have a gun 
you're allowed to carry a gun. And whether you have a gun licensed or not, whether you're carrying a gun illegally, just because you have a gun in your ankle holster and your hands are up peacefully, that does not mean you can be shot and killed. It, the, the idea that, oh, he had a gun, therefore somehow he was a threat is ridiculous. There's, if you watch the video, he was, there, he was simply no threat at all. So I just think it's important that if the case for letting the officer off was, oh, Keith Lamont Scott had a gun, that makes a great headline, um, but the gun was in no way whatsoever a threat in this case. I got a question for you guys. Why did the cops go to that area anyway? I, I didn't come across that yet. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't seen that either. But, I mean, to Noah's point, that's the very reason why, even though it's um, perfectly lawful for me to have a gun, um, you probably will never see me with a gun. Yeah. Just because at 6'3", uh, on the high end of 200 pounds, <laughs> close to 300, bald, um, I'm automatically viewed as a threat. And with a weapon, that yeah. would intensify that. Yeah. So I got pulled over by the police not too far from my house. And that was my first thought. Because um, the first thing they asked me, do you have any weapons in this car? So, again, I'm automatically viewed as a threat d during a routine traffic stop um, for running a red light that I didn't run. But I saw another ball of wax. But, yeah, I, I, I never would even uh, entertain having a weapon just because I know it would further intensify any exchange I have with the police. So mm -hmm. I have, a, um, <clears throat> I have a, a CPL, so I, I carry, um, but I haven't carried lately because of these issues. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I know the law uh, when it comes to carrying a concealed pistol and, you know, um, but, but it's, for me, it always seems like I get very uncomfortable when I actually do get pulled over. And I have my gun, so mm -hmm. I, I just stopped really carrying it, carrying the gun. And I got pulled over maybe a couple of weeks ago. I didn't have my gun, and by law, um, you do supposed to tell you know the cop if you have one. And I didn't have one, but I actually told him, "Hey, I'm a CPL holder," um, just so that w when I put out my license and he saw my wallet, uh, you know, he wouldn't get kind of scared. Like, okay, he yeah. has a CPL mm -hmm. license. Where's the gun? Mm -hmm. You know. So I put everything mm -hmm. on the table, and he was like, hey, thank you for that. Because um, I can understand that being a cop, your job is pretty stressful, um, and, and you know, you deal with a lot of craziness. Um, and I understand that as a citizen. But but what I just don't appreciate is, is how in these non-threatening cases, you know, citizens are being killed, primarily black citizens, um, for not having a weapon or... For in this case, he had a gun that he was rightly carrying, and he, he wasn't, you know, pointing it at no one. And, and the way that this 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 video, if you look at it, everything happened so fast, you couldn't really see what was mm -hmm. going on. Shoot you know? first and ask questions later. I mean, yeah. that seemed to be yeah, yeah. Well, and and you say rightfully carrying. Just for the record, I, I have no idea if he was a, a, a licensed gun holder or not, which doesn't matter he shouldn't have been shot for having a gun in his you know mm -hmm. in his ankle holster uh but one thing also I'll, I'll say this tyler i you know i i don't know um i don't know legally the difference of charges i know there's a difference in like premeditated murder versus if you just end up killing somebody that's still murder 
Um, I don't know what mm-hmm. first-degree murder is. I don't think these officers personally should be charged with premeditated murder, right. uh, but I do right. believe no, right, right, they right. should be mm-hmm. charged with whatever the same charges for for someone else who, let's say, is mm-hmm. in like a you get into a. I don't know, you get like a, like a road rage incident or something and it ends up you shoot someone, you know, uh, whatever that charge mm-hmm. is, that seems to be the same scenario. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's a conflict and then there's an unneeded act of death that happened, uh, yeah. of taking a life. Um, yeah. so yeah. 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 Um, if you look at, I can't remember his, um, no joke. It's just been so many of these incidents this right. year. Uh, it was the one in Tulsa Yeah, and the, and the lady um, who said she she's pleading um, death, she went death. death. Yeah, and she so went she death. Pulled. She said, and so she yeah. shot him. She's getting charged with manslaughter. I think that's I think that's Ten that's years. absurd. Yeah, and and so say for instance she gets found guilty, and say they give her the maximum, ten years, she'll be out in for good behavior. Yeah, you know for 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 mm-hmm. taking, and that's if she gets found guilty, and that's a big if. So. Yeah, I just think it's it, it shows that um, the black life is not um, valued very highly in many cases in our country. It's just yeah. not. You can't convince me. You can't convince me. Um, also, it, it, it would be you talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. There would be marching in the streets if there were white men being slaughtered and it's on videotape mm-hmm. and the world is saying. It, it, it would be marching in the streets yeah. um, it, times a hundred of whatever you see Black Lives Matter do. It would be up. It would be outrage. It would be uproar. But, you know. Yeah, there was an article, uh, as you know, we get the newspaper in my house. <laughs> we are the last <laughs> house on the planet. Hey, man, you keep in jobs that gets a paper newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thanks to my wife, we get the newspaper. I do read it every morning, and there's a USA Today section in our Lansing State Journal, which usually has some interesting national stories. This one I grabbed a couple weeks ago. It was November 22nd, but it says, Bloody Day for Cops Shakes Community. And and then Mm -hmm. the subtitle was, A Troubling Sign of the Times, Police Union Rep Says. Uh, And then the quote from William McManus that they, they put in bright blue San Antonio police chief, I feel we, the police, were targeted. I think the uniform was the target. And I read this thinking a couple things that I thought would be worthwhile to bring up in conversation. One of them, I think it's easy to look at when officers are shot, which is tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's easy to look at that and say, this is a result of protesting black rights issues you know they this is a direct result every time an officer now is shot and the irony is as i read through these not they they highlighted several different shootings of officers that had happened around the country and one of them wasn't even shot by someone who was black they were shot by someone who was white and so i just i just kind of thought is there a this happens on both sides i'm sure uh, but I think it's important to note when we're trying to create a story that isn't there uh, to say every time an officer shot, it's because of, I mean, really, you could say because of podcasts like this one, you know, like we're we're stirring up people to be 
uh, anti-police and those sorts of things, you know, especially black people. And, and you do see that. You see some of that violence and um, against police. And that's we've talked about that on the podcast. That's a reason that I've stopped endorsing Black Lives Matter as a whole, only because not that they say those things, but they don't speak against those things when they're talking mm-hmm. about uh, but I just think yeah. it's important that we don't get caught up in that. This is not an issue of police versus black people and vice versa. Right. And I think a lot of officers are under that impression that it's an, um, it's a police versus black people and black people versus police. And that brings me back to a point, my final point, I've made this many times on the podcast, and just for people to really understand that the, injust- the injustice, well, yes, a black person being shot by an officer, that is tragic. The, the, the injustice is that charges aren't filed. And so that's always been the historic injustice that I don't think contemporary mm-hmm. officers even understand. When I hear our local officers and local chiefs and local sheriffs speaking, I don't hear them understanding that all throughout our history, recent history, as well as <coughs> hundreds of years ago, white officers could kill black people with no charges versus... If a tragic situation, for example, Wayne State, uh, here in our neck of the woods, a 29-year-old white officer was just killed. I read the article and it sounded like by someone who was black. Uh, Just tragic stuff, you know, a a routine Mm -hmm. sort of stop and then the guy gets shot, the officer gets shot. The, The reason, while yes, that's a tragedy, it's not the same thing is because that guy that did the shooting will for sure go to court. And we'll for sure get uh, convicted and we'll for sure do serious time. Uh, In these cases of the officers, most of the time, like in Keith Lamont Scott's case, they're not even going to court. And then sometimes they do go to court. And I'll say at least if they go to court and they're let off, at least they had a jury of their peers and a fair trial. Uh, But even then, when, when it seems obvious a crime was committed, there needs to be... There needs to be convictions, and there, there needs to be, not in every case, but there needs to be, these need to be convicted. But my point is, black guy kills a white cop. He's going to court. He's going to jail. White cop kills a black guy. Not even going to court. That's where the real injustice is, and I just think it's important to point that out. Yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, there's no... <sighs> In most cases, if a black man goes to court, he's going to jail. <laughs> um, if it's any yeah. sort of violent crime, um, if you look at <clears throat> if you look at the narrative in most of these situations, um, the, the the black man who was shot by a police officer, um, the first, or you even look at a Trayvon Martin, or um, um, ah, why can't I remember his name, um, Ferguson. Michael Michael Brown. Michael Brown. The, the first thing they do is um, they talk about their past. Thug, Freddie Gray, all right. these you know drug problems, broken family. The first thing they do is begin to, um, in many ways, dehumanize the man um, and talk about their past. And then, as opposed, on the other side, we have a celebrated, highly ranking officer who has never had any situation like this. And they go on and on. Uh, that's what they did with the uh, lady in Tulsa. So it, the narrative is already being um, put out there that you have a thug, you have a criminal mm-hmm. who may or may not even been committing a crime at that time, uh, as a, on versus a a cop 
who was just doing their job and just trying to get home to their family. Mm-hmm. So when you put that narrative out there, um, and when they stand before a, when they stand before a jury, um, is it really even a fair trial? Right, right. <laughs> is it really even a fair trial? You know, he he was he was trying to protect himself. He was trying to protect his uh, comrades, and he was trying to get home to his family. And um, the thug had to go. You know, that's mm-hmm. the narrative. Yeah, that's the narrative. So it's not even. I don't even really see when they go to trial. I don't even really see it as a fair trial mm. because so often this narrative is perpetuated uh, as opposed to a cop made a rash hasty decision and it cost uh, another human their life right so right yeah kyle you're speaking of that at all no i'm i mean you, you guys had cover the bases um i i, I do want to comment though you made a comment about um um when there was the cop that uh the first when this started, you know, everything started happening. The cop that got shot, they, the media automatically said, "Could this be because of Black Lives Matter?" And, right. Um, and it's just, it, and then I started to see on social media a lot of people were like, "Yeah, see, I told you, the Black Lives Matter people are trying to, you know, they're trying to start a race war, and it's just like the media playing both sides against each other." Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, man, I believe that this time. Um, is a era that will receive some kind of name and go in and, and be in the history books mm. um, because of just the, the mass killings of, of blacks, um, the, the, um, the animosity we see between blacks and whites. Um, and this is not just um, in the secular world, but this is also in the church. Um, and, you, you know, it, it, everything is it's just the tension from... And the hurt from that we've seen from Jim Crow and, uh, you know, uh, before the emancipation, all these things are like this animosity is rising up again. And, um, and now it just seems like it's it's not about class. It's, it's about color now. Um, and, and I'm just starting to see that. And honestly, I'm just like, man, how can we as the church um, continue uh, to walk with people through these issues and 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 to help with the hurt that we might see on the black side, the confusion that we might see on the white side in this critical era. And that that is making sure we're educating um, and talking about these issues. So uh, that's just my thought. I smell a segue there. Segue into topic of the day. The topic of the day. Topic of the day today, why aren't more churches diverse? Hmm. Reverend? Bishop. I prefer Bishop. Bishop. (laughs) Uh, I I saw a stat. Um, I think it was, um, I might be flip-flopping them, but I, I saw a stat. Um, that the average neighborhood is 10 times more diverse than the church hmm. and the schools are 20 times more diverse than the church. And, and, and it may be flip-flop, yeah. but society society um, in 2016, heading in 2017, is um, a lot more diverse. I look at my city, um, 
Detroit is transforming. De- Detroit is becoming uh, a city for the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at uh, WC3 yesterday uh, working on some um, outreach and working on some things that we're going to do at WC3 that we're uh, super super excited about. And I'm, I'm walking uh, around and I'm seeing um, at least 50 to 20 Muslim young ladies with the hijab. Is that, is that the right phrase? The hijabs on their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muslim young men with uh, their headdress, white people. Black folk, just WC3 looks like a school of the nations. And that's just our community mm. college. So mm. um, down in downtown Detroit. So uh, our schools, our communities, uh, even in a city like Detroit that has, has historically been black is, is becoming more and more uh, diverse. Um, and the church is not. And I think the main reason the church isn't because it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just is hard. Um, I listened to your um uh podcast uh shout out to you there young fella with Sorry brian ritz that. who i huh <laughs> See, tyler's tyler's promoting my stuff for me Look i don't have to do it well myself. you know bless your it heart was, it was uh, because brian ritz was on there that's yeah, why laritz I'm, I'm, I'm dj ritz don't get uh, us confused <laughs> you're salty um I, dj ritz <laughs> you brian laritz Yes, yes. He's, a, he, he, he's very wise. Honestly, he's the man on this stuff. Oh, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's phenomenal. Uh, so I listened to that, and um, yeah, it's difficult. Um, most churches um, think they bring on a black or ethnic uh, worship leader. Oh, there it is. Here they come. <laughs> Here <laughs> right. they come. <laughs> right. Or 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 bring in uh, another uh, black face or a brown face or a female and put them in a position that mm-hmm. that's automatically going to make um, their church diverse. And it's just not the case. It's hard, uh, especially in a time where uh, you look at social media and you look at the conversations that uh, the world is having. They're talking about race. They're talking about class. Mm-hmm. They're talking about all these things. And the church is kind of putting our head in the sand because it's 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 a lot easier just to uh, preach our little expositional sermons and preach through books of the Bible um, and say, well, I just preach the gospel. It's a lot easier to, to do that than it is to get dirty. And we, and when we do that, our churches will continue to look like um, they look. Um, yeah. Black people worshiping with black people um, exclusively and whites doing the same. And I think hermeneutics, which is a fancy word for how we interpret the Bible, the idea of hermeneutics <laughs> is how do you take an ancient you know, text, and then you you apply it. You it keeps the same meaning throughout all eras, but then it has a specific application to today, as it would yeah. be a different application possibly than the first century or the or you know two thousand years BC, whatever it might be. We're not doing hermeneutics properly if we're not applying these texts to our modern day. Uh, you know, you can't talk about text about injustice if and then just leave them like ambiguous i mean you can do that i think that's what happens a lot in white churches oh yeah because we don't want to actually talk about okay if amos was giving us this sermon today or if (laughs) if paul was giving us or james was giving us this sermon you know today uh what would he say to us today because that would put us on the hook (laughs) we'd have to deal with some issues Mm -hmm. so instead we'll just talk about the stuff they were doing and we'll act like it doesn't apply to any of the injustice stuff that we're doing. And in the case of the white church, the stuff that we benefit from. 
then you're you're really getting into it. Then I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble on this this topic. I I know that. Right <laughs> well, what I, what I've noticed is um, it is um, a lot of it is tokenism. Mm. You'll you'll see um, you'll see black black men, and I might get in a lot of trouble right here. So I might just real get it out the uh, get out the way. Um, get it out the way. You'll you, you'll see black men elevated and put in the positions but only certain kind of black men mm. um and that and that and oh, that's yeah. always that's and, and i'm talking about in the church that's always happened yeah. historically um but it happens in the church as well um where it, it they have to um <laughs> they have to uh, almost walk on water um they have to be supremely educated they have to speak with the king's english they have to have a certain image have to dress a certain way. Um, they have to even look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 you see it all the time. Is they're, they're super polished um, culturally. Um, they may not be black. <laughs> they may be African American right. of the upper crust. Um, but what that what, when you do that, what you're actually telling the black people in your congregation is. Uh, we, we see that the black people in the congregation see that, and we like, nah, we good mm-hmm. because we realize that this is this is the um, the uh, Kroger's version of the um, Cocoa Krispies. <laughs> 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 this, this is the this is the off brand version. Let me be real with you here. Have you ever had off brand Cheetos? Off brand. Che- have you ever had off brand Cheetos? Speaking of flaming hot yeah, Cheetos. Well, off brand Cheetos are the worst thing on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> they're awful. Yeah. Really? Dude, they're Oh, don't go there. A they, lot of off brand a lot of off brand cereals like man, this don't Cereal's bad too. Here, like, Cereal doesn't even close. Like the the the, the Cheeto or the, the che- Cheerios are like three times the size they're supposed to be. You're like, they don't even look like the same food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's what churches donuts do. Donuts in a bowl of milk. That's, <laughs> that's what churches do. They'll they'll yeah. they'll get this person. And I've seen it, you know, I've seen it. And they're like, all right, well, he's black, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't resonate with the black folk in that congregation because yeah. the black folk in that congregation uh, don't act like that, don't speak like that. Mm-hmm. They're not as educated as he is. They're mm-hmm. not as refined and polished as he is. And what happens is that that actually disenfranchises the black people in that congregation and it sends a subtle message that I got to be almost white mm, to right. be accepted in this church. Yeah. So now I'm in trouble. So you might as well go ahead. We might as well just go. Let's do it. The, uh, Let's do it. Well, we'll take <laughs> we'll take Bri- <laughs> we'll take Brian Loretz down with us. Uh, I'll give him another shout out uh, on his book, Right Color, Wrong Culture, that he wrote, mm-hmm. which talks about what you were just talking about. And and, and I didn't ask him about this when I interviewed him, but. As I read that the first time, I thought, I bet he got some heat on this book from the black community. And the reason is he talks about what you just said, and he he calls it these different categories, C1, C2, C3. And he says C1, like culture one of a black person. So the same idea you just said, we're going to hire a black person and to kind of help our church be diverse and they hire and he calls it like the carlton from the fresh prince <laughs> and he says that's the, and that that's so true and and then he has c uh three which is like the the extreme sort of the other way of black culture that's that's just not, he said there's nothing wrong with a c3 there's nothing wrong with a c1 uh but a c3 is someone that, that's just very rigid and they're they're not 
they're just not a good fit for a, a, a multicultural context. He used uh, Ice Cube as his example, and then uh, <laughs> and then C two he used uh, Denzel Washington as his oh, example. Wow. So um, mm-hmm. Denzel being someone that you know he can. He's real. He's a but yeah. you know anyway. And I'm not saying like you have to use those three categories, it's but funny. but that was what mm-hmm. I like about that book is it was a helpful tool. It was actually practical. A lot of times in race uh, issues and trainings, everyone's too afraid to get practical because as mm-hmm. soon as you do, you just start offending people. And mm-hmm. uh, even I told some um, black folks that do some tr- racism training about that book, and and. <laughs> One lady goes, "Oh, don't you be categorizing black people?" <laughs> so she said, "You know, really? something like that." Yeah, and I get, and I understand oh, Lord, her. I understand her heart behind saying that, but I just that was a helpful book if people are looking mm-hmm. for like a helpful tool on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll I'll be honest with you on this question: why why aren't churches more diverse? I mean, there there's a lot of directions I could go in this, but the main one is white churches are just not willing to talk about race issues. And they don't feel like they have to because it doesn't affect them. So it doesn't affect my white congregation when Philando and Alton get killed in one week. It doesn't affect my white congregation, so I'm just not going to talk about that. And if I do talk about it, I'm going to have white people get angry at me because there's, well, I don't know if it's like a Republican thing or if it's just like a white culture thing, but there's just these things we get brainwashed into believing, like these rhetorics that we believe. And as soon as I say, you know, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling were, were shot and they were... Uh, they were unarmed and they were killed and this this is just just you know this is a tragedy in our country and and the black people in our community they're in such fear because of this injustice there's all these knee-jerk reactions going on in a in a not in an all-white congregation or just amongst a lot of white people and it's no we're are so you're against law enforcement or you're against America or you're against this or how can you know and it's it's all these things that have been it's like you have the Christian flag and the American flag and they're up there on your stage and and there's just this idea that we follow Jesus and if you say anything like what you just said it must mean that you are a communist you know there's just these mm-hmm. these jumps that are made and when we start talking about these things from the stage uh, we started doing that at Crossroads. People, white people leave the church. And and uh, Pastor Brian uh, Loritz talked about that in, in the podcast I, uh, interview we were talking about. He said, yeah, people start leaving, and it's a revolving door, and they won't tell you why. They're not going to tell you because you're talking about race issues. Uh, they'll just come up with other ideas. And then as black people start coming into your church, even more white people will leave, and they won't tell you mm-hmm. why. But there's a reason why. There's a reason yeah. that they're leaving. And I'll say this. I just did this uh, article on white privilege. I've talked about it a lot before. Uh, and I tried to be as gentle as I could with this article to try to help some of my white friends and readers. And um, did work. There, w- <laughs> one, of the, one of the quotes on my Facebook page, quote, this is from a, ch- a churchgoer, by the way, a white churchgoer. White privilege is a farce. <laughs> uh, and there's there, there's more there's more uh, white and wait there's more <laughs> white white privilege doesn't exist uh, you know it goes on and if I was black there is no way I could go to church with that guy right there's no way I could be in community with that guy 
I mean, I wouldn't. I would choose not to be in community with the guy that wrote that. He's the type of guy that. If I if I were if I was white. I wouldn't want to be in community with that dude. <laughs> well, you shouldn't because that's 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 just messed up thinking to come out so strong like that. You know, that, honest- that's just that's that that's that does that doesn't even make logical sense. <laughs> it, in a country that has uh, up until fifty years ago, other races couldn't vote. Right. Mm-hmm. Literally, did other races did not have the same rights. Literally, yeah. not. Figuratively speaking, and 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 and, and that that's not even to factor in all the subtle nuanced oh, oh, uh, so ways that racism. I mean, it, it, I mean to your point, uh, and, and then I'm a uh, I Kanye you by mistake, Kyle. I'm gonna let no, you, you, uh, good, I'm let you finish. <laughs> uh, but it, it makes it, it makes no sense because those same churches that because that 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 week that that happened with uh, Sterling and Philando, those same churches. And I heard it multiple times, and I saw it tweeted, and I saw prayers pray for the officers that were shot in Dallas. Can I say this? Mm-hmm. I went, this is when I was in, on a, a month sabbatical. It was during July, and I was attending different churches, and I attended an all-white church. And I was so disturbed because they did their prayer time, and they prayed specifically for the five Dallas police officers' families. Not a word about... Philando's family or Alton's family or the injustice and I was I was sickened by that. It's fine to play, yeah. pray for the officers' families for right. sure. Right. But Absolutely. To, to act like these two stories don't go together is ridiculous. <laughs> is racist. Within, with, I don't within know if you can't be any more racist than within, that. Within days. Literally. Within days. Within days. I, I think, and I'm going to speak mm-hmm. on behalf um and I agree 100% why you, you feel most uh, white churches aren't diverse. Um, I think most uh, black, le- and I'm trying to get away from saying white and black churches, mm-hmm. um, just because my, um, my church looks <laughs> like the Rainbow Coalition. Um, and my church, is, my church is, on a good Sunday, it may be over half white. Um, so um, I'm trying to say black-led. I think more black um Led churches aren't diverse because I honestly on two on two ends. Um, I think white a lot of white folks are just very uh, intimidated and have never had a black man in authority. Yeah, they have never they have never had to um, had a have a black man lead them or tell them what to do. Not give them options, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. this is the way it's going to be. Um, and to the Christian who who has um, as far as earthly authority. Who has more earthly authority in your life than your pastor? So I think a lot of Christ, a lot of white Christians are just very, very, very unnerved, uh, very nervous about that, and have not yeah. never had to experience that. And I and I've um, I've seen, and I'm not going into a lot of details, but I've seen um, places that I've uh, led um, people have issues with me in uh, in leadership. So and, mm. and that, that's on one end, and I think. Um, on the other end, as far as black um, black folks, uh, I think we're just—it's just—it's still an uncomfortable thing because we're just so used to our churches being ninety-nine percent black, and you had that one random white person. Yeah, you know what I'm that saying. Lives in the hood. Uh, yeah, right. That lives there. Right. That lives there. You know, it's, it, you know, I grew up in Detroit, and I grew up at a United Methodist church, um, and it was. 
uh, predominantly black and we had just a, a, a one or two white folks that would come but they've been in that community for 50 years yeah um so it's still a very uncomfortable thing for us um to worship with whites in a lot of cases yeah i think um the church don't understand our influence and in culture because mm-hmm. the moments moments like these that we continue to be silent we we there there we create this domino effect and what happens is we we say okay by our silence we tell our white brothers and sisters hey it's okay to feel however way you're feeling yeah those black people are wrong and yeah it's okay to see yourself as in danger when this black person is around and oh yeah it's okay to feel as if you know it's okay to not pray for Philando or uh, Mike Brown's family, whatever. We 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 leave we we leave that side to their thoughts, and we say to the black people, "Yeah, we don't care." Um, that's that's basically what, what silence is doing. We we don't care. Mm-hmm. When, when you have those two sides, and when the church is silent, those two sides are forced to battle it out in the world, mm-hmm. and and then it leads to one extreme. We got. The, the 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 our white brothers and sisters leaning towards a more um you know, their thoughts are more uh, on a racist scale like you know we, we got the because uh, f- when you look at the slave owners you know they they use the scripture to kind of um you know say that hey slavery is okay um you are not a a person so this doesn't apply to you you are my property and then you got these black people are looking for hope and they're finding hope in these cults that we see mostly in uh, urban mm-hmm. neighborhoods um, mm-hmm. like uh, the Nation of Islam, um, uh, the Moors or uh, the black Hebrew Israelites, the black Hebrew Israelites, which shows that, hey, you know what? I know you've been been oppressed by this this white man. But listen, the black man is the original man. You're a prince. You're a king. And when 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 you. When you think about it, all of this is stemming from the issues that we don't talk about at the church because Mm -hmm. people are looking to us for hope. And when we don't use the gospel to speak about things that are going on today, then we have this whole gospel thing messed up. Because if you look at the letters that Paul wrote to the different churches, he was speaking specifically about what was going on at that time at Mm -hmm. this particular church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and to piggyback on that, I think a lot a lot more um, black led and the predominantly black churches aren't diverse is because it allows us to sit and stew in our resentment and mm-hmm. our sure. bitterness. Yeah. Um, because it, I, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be real. It's, it's hard to be a black black man in America. Yeah. It's hard to be black in America. Um, I wish it wasn't. I wish I could say it a different way. But it is difficult. Your yeah. race is constantly um, your your race is constantly your thought, your reality is your glass ceiling, it's your hindrance. But in the black church, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be mm-hmm. black. You can express your blackness. You can express who you are unashamedly um, in your time of worship. And, and the, I mean, you look at the preaching moment. You look at how how uh, 
how they how we sing, how we get down. All, I mean, that's I mean, that's you, the black church experience. That's blackness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just blackness. And I think that so many of us, that's it's kind of like a haven. It's a, it's a safe place um, where we can be ourselves. We can let our hair down. We don't have to try to act a certain way yeah. um, to fit in the culture because this is our culture. On our jobs, we have to talk a certain way. Um, we have to dress a certain way. We have to act a certain way. In church, we can be ourselves. Be ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, it's a hard thing to do to say, hey, we want to change this and we want to be a church that looks like the nations. Um, no, nah, most we, we don't want to be a church that looks like the nations. We want to be a church that um, is comfortable for us because our country that we live in is not that comfortable for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So I think that's a huge part in it. And I had to get over that. That, that, that those are, these are all hurdles that I had to get over. I mean, I grew up in the black church experience and I love it. And I, I love it. I'm not one of those, uh, dudes that grew, came out of the black church and now I want to kick it. I, I love it, man. I love the music. I love the preaching. I love the emotion. Um, it be too long sometimes, <laughs> but I, I, I love I love the historic black church experience. And when you say you want to make changes to that, or you want to be inclusive and let <gasps> white people in, you you lose you lose a lot of black folks. And, and I and I and I understand that. I understand it. I understand the thought process. Mm-hmm. And, and just to you know, for our listeners, just a historical background uh, of of black uh, as. I'm like Tyler. I'm definitely. I want to get away from saying black church or white church. When you when you think about a mo- predominantly white church or predominantly black church, um, I mean, blacks were not allowed to gather with whites. Not only in public in restaurants, um, has certain interests, um, uh, certain water fountains that were either for blacks and for whites, but also blacks were not allowed. Um, uh, at predominantly white churches, but and then there were some churches that did have black members, but only they can sit in a certain section. So right. blacks mm-hmm. could not. Uh, we we didn't and find no leadership. They yeah, couldn't lead. They couldn't lead. Yeah. Oh yeah, they couldn't mm-hmm. lead. So you know, we could not find refuge at the very place that uh, we, we were that talked about the hope that we trusted in. So you, that's right. a pretty difficult thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why blacks broke off and started to gather, um, you know, with predominantly black churches. Cause you know, this was yeah. a place we can be expressed the way we want to express and talk about Jesus mm-hmm. the way we want to talk about it. And uh, we didn't have to worry about uh, anyone um, looking at us a certain way or, uh, in fear of doing the wrong thing to a white brother and sister and being put out of the church. So yeah. just a little historical background. You got to know the history. And, Go and, ahead, and, and think about it. Oh, and, and think about it this way. Historically, the black church was one of the only places in black America where there was no racism. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you have right. to, you, you, again, you have to look at the, the historical, ramifications for this there was no racism in the black church because you had black pastors black deacons um and it was a it was a place where um black leadership was was elevated and exalted and and revered and respected yeah Mm -hmm. so it's difficult like i said it's been a difficult trend it was a difficult transition for me to look at wait a minute what i see in scripture and what i see um happening on earth they don't coincide. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and it, it, it is a process. We have to be patient and uh, allow people time to grow because they're not going to just automatically say, you know, I want to be a part of a diverse church or I want to lead a diverse church mm-hmm. uh, after uh, 30 years of being um, in the church. That's all one class and all one race. Yeah, maybe. And you guys can I'm going to ask a question in a second that you guys can help me with. But first, I want to lay out a little bit more of that history because often what I hear in preliminary conversations about multiracial church stuff is, well, those are just style preferences. So the music <laughs> style, you know, and, and, and let's just be real. Like for me as a white person, if I walk into an all black church, for the most part, especially years ago, you know, let's say 15 years ago, the music would be very uncomfortable for me. The style would be very uncomfortable for me. If you took someone out of that black church and you put them in an all-white church, that the music would would probably feel, uh, you know, really stale, and it would be like, you know, I mean, it depends on the denomination and all those sorts of things, but the style would feel really dry, and it would be like, man, I don't want to do this. It's stale and it's dry. And then we could have a conversation and say, it's not because of white skin or black skin. It's because of, like, the energy level or the style or this. And I want to mm-hmm. make sure that we understand those things are cosmetic. And mm-hmm. and I believe this – This is a, maybe this is a strong statement, but I, I believe it's true that the segregated churches we have today, the homogenous church of white and the homogenous church of black, it's a direct result of sin. So it is literally like the child of sin. And mm-hmm. I don't think we can act like that's not a big deal. Uh, what what Kyle was saying, you know, the, these aren't mystical or, or mythological. Um, nobody's making this stuff up. You can just go into history and say, when did the AME church start? When did mm-hmm. these denominations start? These denominations started, we talk, we've talked about this in other episodes before, Black people got kicked out of white church. So what did they do? They started their own churches. They started their own denominations because they they weren't allowed into white denominations. They started their own seminaries because they weren't allowed into white seminaries. And so Mm -hmm. to just say it's cultural preference, it's a style of music preference, uh, that falls way short to me because these, these churches didn't develop overnight. Mm-hmm. These denominations and develop overnight. They are products. They are babies. They are the children of systematic sin. And I, mm-hmm. come on, we're 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 supposed to be reconcilers of sin. And yeah. so I just think that is very, very important to understand. And then I I want to bring up something that I wrestle with. And honestly, maybe you guys can help with. There's okay. there's times as I've gotten into this as a white guy who's grown up in white churches and then has been exposed to teaching that's shown me in the Bible where uh, God's heart for injustice. In the Bible, in the New Testament, God's heart for the Jew and Gentile church to be one, and there wasn't supposed to be racial divides, and there were supposed to be one unified church in Jesus and all these things. And then I, I, wit- I observe and have conversations with white pastor friends of mine, and it almost feels like there's a theology developing that's allowing white churches to stay white and not have to deal with these issues for different reasons. One of them might be, Tyler, where you said earlier, well, we just preach the gospel here, you know, something like that. Um, I know of a church that specifically told all their staff after the Philando Castile and Alton Sterling death, they said, you, you are not to talk about race this Sunday. You are not to talk. This is to everyone preaching, all the staff, all the you know, teens, you're not to talk about, this is an all-white, mostly white church, mostly white. 
You're not to talk about race. You're not to talk. You're not to talk about the shootings. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like we're reading different Bibles. It's gotten to the point that I've and uh, Kurt, my co-pastor, feels the same way. It feels like we're reading different Bibles in these churches. Like they're just reading the mm -hmm. part about believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you'll go to heaven and let's only preach that and we'll preach some things about like good behavior to like have a good marriage and things like that mm -hmm. and how to manage your money and things like that mm -hmm. but we're not going to talk about God's heart for justice we're going to just ignore yeah. like the whole Old Testament and everything he says about that we're going to ignore Jesus how he lo loved for the poor Jesus talking about like just the good Samaritan for example the Jew mm -hmm. and the, the Samaritan and the racism and the you know and so many Paul talking about the body of Christ is, is one body Jew and Gentile slave and free yeah. one we're one in Christ and it really feels like these brothers of mine and sisters of mine they are not preaching the Bible anymore. They are being selective. Yeah. And if this was like Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar, man, we'd be all mm -hmm. over them. We'd say, yeah. oh, they're selecting what they want from the Bible. They're be they're cherry-picking health and wealth. Well, it, it, it's coming to the point that it almost feels like the same thing. And I wrestle with it because uh, I, for obvious reasons. For uh, And, and la last thing, you know, I, I talked to a friend about this who's white and doesn't go to our church. He's from out of town. And I was wrestling with this and he said, you know, maybe churches like that are kind of meant like meant to reach someone for Jesus that, um, isn't ready for like the kind of stuff that you're, that you're talking about, you know? And, and so it's like there, people are getting baptized there. They're coming to know Jesus there. And, and, and that's kind of like a, like an entry, an entry level into like the kingdom. And, I just disagree with them because I think that that's no. what churches in the 60s said. They said, we're not going to get involved with Dr. King right. because we need yeah. to reach white racists. Literally, we need to re reach white racists. And so if we talk about civil rights, there's no way they're going to come to our churches. And so I don't know what to do because the, these are obviously brothers in Christ and, yeah. and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. And yet, how prophetic am I supposed to be when it comes to being like, Hey, you're not preaching the Bible anymore, you know? Like, yeah. so yeah. I hope you guys can help me with that because I'm struggling with it. Yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, but honestly, um, it's what we've always done in this country. I'm, I'm just right. gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say the truth like Ruth. That's what has always happened in America. The white evangelical church has always. Always, 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 always done this. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they, they gave they gave license to slavery. Right. They rationalized the genocide of the original residents of this country. They rationalized the way women were treated like second class citizens. They they justified. Um, Dred Scott, the Dred, Dred Scott verdict. They justified segregation. They, um, the church we met, the church we, we meet at uh, a school that's attached to a church, um, and the church is declining and the school is closed. Um, I Googled the name of this church, and a picture from the 1960, I believe it was 1968, there were white protesters outside this church in Detroit because they did not want this church to be multiracial. Yeah. Uh, they, they, there, there was a white protester, and I'll, I'll send y'all a picture of it. There was a white protester that had a sign that said, "God didn't uh, mean for races to mingle." So mm -hmm. it, it is what it is what is it is what the is what the predominantly white evangelical church has always done. 
So I'm not surprised, but my pushback and my encouragement to uh, my white brothers, because I mean, that week uh, I was talking to a pastor. I felt like I felt like I needed therapy mm. after, after the week of um, uh, Sterling and Philando because I had 12 pastors reach out to me via text, email, yeah. Facebook, phone call. I had 12 pastors reach out to me and they, and they were scratching it. I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah. what to do. I don't know what to say. Should I pray? Should I change my sermon? So that was bittersweet, but it was more so encouraging that these brothers, uh, white pastors, and all of them were in predominantly white churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, <clears throat> all white. Um, so that was encouraging that their wheels are turning um, and they're waking up, <laughs> to yeah. use the proper phrase. Um, so there is some progress. More and more white brothers are starting to say, you know what, I, I just, I can't remain silent anymore because I see it. So uh, what what I encourage brothers in, uh, in Christ to, to do is the same way you stand flat-footed and you say Christ is God, it's the same way you stand flat-footed and you say that he's the only way to the Father, you need to have that same conviction when you speak on racial matters. Yeah. Because... That is that is that is the defining conversation of the day. If you're talk, if you're not talking about it, what what I don't. If, if you're not in any way addressing uh, racism and classism and prejudice, now I don't I don't I don't know what you're doing because that is the defining conversation in our country. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the defining conversation in our country. So I, I encourage them to um, have a backbone. You got to be a man. <laughs> you yeah. can't be a coward and yeah. challenge your people the same way you challenge their sin of overspending the same way you challenge their their sexual sins challenge the prejudice in their heart challenge yeah. it right um so I, and i it's feel just, it's just that simple to me i, yeah. I don't want to oversimplify but it's just that simple to me but tyler real quick um kyle because i i don't want to i want i don't want to lose this this i have a, a quick question about that mm-hmm. tyler i mean you, you you have these you know you're in Acts 29, you're in some predominantly white, you know, settings and, and stuff. So mm-hmm. as far as fellowshipping with other pastors, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, the church you came out of, Hanafi and, and Bontrager, they're both white guys and, and they're up on this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, to, you know, but the, my question is what, let's say in, in a given setting, let's say at 10 pastors like that, you're going to have mm-hmm. two or three of them that are, we'll say woke, you know, they're, they're there, they're with you. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, um, two or three that are in the middle, you know, they're, the, mm-hmm. the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. Praise God for mm-hmm. that. And you're going to have two or three, man. And, and these are, these are like, I, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe the Bible's the word of God. And let's talk about the gospel, 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 gospel. And mm-hmm. they, they, they legitimately are against multiracial churches. They're they're They have no problem with homogenous church. They have no problem mm-hmm. with just a bunch of homogenous you know, wealthy white people getting together and calling it church. And there's, mm-hmm. they, 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 I mean, how do you fellowship with those guys without mm-hmm. wanting to like say, Hey, you, confronting them on it. I mean, they're just being, yeah. you know, that, that's where my tension comes in is like, yeah, I wouldn't fellowship in that way with someone mm-hmm. that, um, I don't know, let's just take like someone who said, you know, another controversial issue. So homosexuality, that, that it's okay uh, so it's that it's okay to like be in a, in a homosexual sexual relationship. My, my mm-hmm. take on the Bible is the attraction. That's not what this podcast is about, but the attraction's not a sin. 
but the behavior is. And there's plenty of churches nowadays that are saying, nope, the behavior is fine. You know, those relationships are just the same as heterosexual and we're going to do the marriages and all this stuff. You know, I'm not standing here and I'm not saying they're all going to hell for that. But I will say they're not being biblical and I'm going to fellowship with those who are. So where do you draw that line knowing that two or three of that group of 10 white guys, they're not being biblical when it comes to Mm -hmm. issues of race, issues of justice and the way that they're leading their churches. So, so here, so, um, this year I visited, um, several churches, uh, Missouri, Wisconsin, um, just, uh, Minnesota. There, there are some contexts. You may not believe this, um, there's one of my partner in churches, um, they're in Wausau, Wisconsin. I get it, man. There I is, know. I know. There it's, is. It's all white people bro, there. Dude, I, bro. I know. They are, there is nothing but white folk there. Those are exceptions, so though. I'm talking about your, yeah, your, yeah. your classic, like, yeah, so, edge of mm-hmm. the suburbs in the city kind of mm-hmm. church, you know, your, yeah. your, your diverse community around you, whether it's urban or suburban, you know. Those kind, of, those kind of spaces. Yeah. So I, I give, I give those, I give those dudes somewhat of a pass because I mean they're, they're, they're fishing. Man, if you right. fishing in a pond with catfish, you are gonna get catfish. And we'll say you this: they saying? still need to talk about race issues yeah, because absolutely. those are some of the absolutely. most racist communities ever. I, honestly, and and, and they and so, also need and, to bring in people of color to guest preach and expose their people to that. I'll just say that. Quick and, and, to, and to their credit, um, I have several partner in churches, and they say, I want you to come in, and Good. I want you to yeah. share your experiences. I want you to preach the gospel, because my, I've just twice this year, I've had two churches. One is 142 years old, and another one has been around for about 60 years. Both of them said I was the first black man that's ever preached in that There moment. you go. That's, a, that's my so point. That is, yeah. So... So I mean I'm I'm not as I'm not as doom and gloom as you are. <laughs> so I mean I, I guess because I I'm 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 the black unicorn. I'm seeing more. Um, I'm just in the circles that I run in. Um, I, I I'm I'm kind of a unicorn. So I see a little more progress than you may see. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a little more hopeful. But there are cats that just say I won't touch it. Um, yeah. And I and I and I I mean a preacher who I I used to I used to model my preaching style after john macarthur i right. used, you couldn't you couldn't tell me i wasn't black john macarthur i love when i heard him say that i don't talk about race i don't talk about culture issues i just preach the gospel i said i'm done with you johnny mac yeah. because you're not preaching the gospel you're not yeah you know what i'm saying you're not if you because the bible was clear the bible was clear on on bigotry prejudice and racism so if you're not talking about those things and that's the conversation that um, our country is having, and that's the trajectory that we're headed. Um, if you're not talking about the things, I just straight up and down tell them that you are not being faithful to Scripture. You are not being faithful to the gospel because P- Paul lays it out flat like Jack in Ephesians chapter 2 about mm. the dividing wall being torn right. down. Galatians exactly. chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. Paul Paul don't beat around the bush. So you are not preaching the gospel if you're not saying we've all been reconciled to the Savior and all been reconciled to each other. You have a hole in your gospel, or I'll say you don't. Your 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 your, your um, vertical is good, but your your uh, horizontal is yeah. not. It's just yeah. that simple. And, and I've confronted several brothers on that lovingly. Um, so yeah, good. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And and, and 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 people who just straight up and down, you know, just I, I you know I you know 
fellowship may be uh, overstating it, but I try not to really uh, let them in my circle. I want to be around like-minded brothers and sisters who yeah. want to see uh, God's kingdom expand and want to want our church and our churches on earth to um, look like the, the one that's going to look uh, in heaven in Revelation seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a couple of concluding thoughts on this. I just thought of John Perkins, who we all love. Uh, Dr. The man. He is the man. Dr. Perkins is in his 80s. He's a black guy that was a civil rights leader and has just been a very dynamic and influential leader in the church, founding Christian Community Development Association, among many other things. But this was back in 2014 in August, um, so about two years ago, and I just got to hear him talk to a group of pastors in Grand Rapids. It was about 30 of us, maybe, and it was about half white and half black. And he said some things that I wrote down that I just thought are very profound. Uh, he can say some things to the black community that I certainly can't. And then he mm-hmm. says some things to the white community that just really need to be said. But he says, you're not going to solve the problem by continuing to have a black church and a white church. This is, again, two years ago, so before a lot of these national stories even hit. But he said, we need to plant we need to plant churches with a new generation of people who desire diversity. <laughs> this is a direct quote. That black church going to die. <laughs> <laughs> that old white church gonna die. You can picture Dr. Perkins saying that. He says, you aren't going to change them, but maybe you can get them to give to your cause. To black pastors, he said, similar to what you said, Tyler, I understand the black church is all you've ever had, that it's the only place of power and influence the whites ever gave you, but you've got to, he says, but you've got to give that up. I understand your loss, but you've got to give it up. And then check this out. He says, maybe white people are so damaged by imperialism that they are helpless to... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I put... So, maybe white people are so damaged by imperialism that they are helpless to do reconciliation. The black church needs to step up and make these multiracial churches happen. And he said a few other things as well, but, you know... The th- point he was making, he said, look, he said to these black pastors, he goes, why would the white church want to do multiracial church with you? They've got it all. They've got all the money. They've got all the resources. They have all the buildings. They're good. Like, stop. <laughs> he said literally one of the things he said. He goes, uh, I'm tired of black people waiting for white people to do for them. You do it. You do it and bring them into it with you. What do you want the white people to do? Lay down and die? <laughs> but his whole wow. premise is, and this is so sad on the white church, but so true, the white church, they don't they don't see the need for this. They're just like, no, we're good. We got everything we need. Um, thankfully, <laughs> there's exceptions to that to that rule. But I just thought those are some profound words of wisdom and very prophetic words from, from Dr. Perkins. So he, He's one of the last real ones alive, man. Yeah. He is, he's, man. he's certified triple OG teardrops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and just to, and I haven't read this yet, but he has a new memoir coming out. It's not out yet, but I'd encourage readers. I'll definitely be reading that and checking it out. Um, but with uh, Perkins being so real and all that he's seen and all that he's done, he literally said the hope of this is a multiracial church. The solution to all these issues we have in our country is the church becomes multiracial. And then he said, it's got to happen through church planting because these old churches, they're just too stubborn. They ain't going to change. And so just, Hmm. just 
you know, so Tyler, keep up what you're doing. We're going to keep up what we're doing and, and yeah, all, man. others are going to continue joining, which is awesome. So before we leave, I have some very important things to talk to black Superman about. I hope that he's here. <laughs> Kyle, have you heard from your boy? You know what, man, that brother, that brother, he might be here. You never know. Well, tell him he needs to be here. You got his go number? check in the bathroom. Can you text him? Go check in the bathroom real quick. Yeah, I'll go check. All right. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. The black Superman who calls to the other guy. Catch me if you can. Well, happy holidays. From Black Superman to everybody. It's been a minute. How y'all doing? Wow, you're a happy guy. It's good. Yeah. You're Jolly. sober. I'm surprised you're sober. Are you sober? I am. You wow. know, I am. I I went on this uh, journey uh, to Mecca yeah. after Trump uh, got elected. <laughs> you doing one of those body cleanses, too, where you have to drink grass, wheat, wheat grass, and it gives you diarrhea for a couple months? I didn't experience that, but what I did experience... Is uh, sitting on top of the pyramids, uh, having a glass <laughs> oh, of wine, wow. looking over the horizon. You, you can't be sober while you're drinking wine, you know. Well, wine doesn't do anything to me. <laughs> it really don't. So I have a question. This has really been bothering me. What's going on? Well, Thanksgiving, it used to be a family day. Okay. Eat lots of food. Yeah. You know, watch football. The family gets together. Yeah. And then they started instituting this thing called Black Friday. Ah, and I that just felt very racist to me. Did it? Black Friday is a day you go out, people die in, in mobs as they run over each other to try to spend all their money. Uh-huh. Uh, stores are crazy. It's very stressful. And they name it after black people. Well, you know. Why is that? I, I got to, since I've been on this spiritual journey, I got to be truthful about some things. And Speak it. I got to just say. Preach. The the biggest sin I've committed, I created Black Friday. <laughs> I know I'm gonna it. tell you why. We won't judge you. So I, I uh, Jesus Grace. You know, since I got my University of Phoenix degree in psychology, I kind of played <laughs> on that. And so what I did was I said, "Hey, I will make white people think that they could go on this day before Christmas to buy all this stuff for cheap, right?" And the real motive is black people can rob the white people while they a- after they shop. Wow. So that way, we don't got to get arrested before Christmas. We can be out before Christmas. <laughs> That's what Black Friday is. It's a day for black people. <laughs> See? See, brother? So, you know, all these white people, they got money and they go out and they shop. And what we do, we take it. Black Friday, because it made everybody think it was about selling slaves. But uh, was that the first Black Friday ever? <laughs> no, it was on the slave that was ships. The worst Friday. That wasn't. <laughs> that was not. That's every day. What I want to know. Well, first of all, I had no idea about your connection to Black Friday. You know, and I'm the reason just, behind it. Yeah, it's kind of sickening to it me. It is. I'll it's, be honest. I, I, I have issues. I'm ashamed of hey, you. you. Listen, you got to look at it from my point of view. All right, help me. I'm a supernatural okay. uh, uh, being yep. from another planet. Yep. I come to this planet, right. and I just got to take advantage, baby. <laughs> wow. I mean, when it's you put it that way. What, what's it's called that? reparations. Exactly. When you put it that way, it's just crystal clear to me 
yeah. why that makes sense. My 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 thought is why is there not a Black Superman Friday? See, a Black Superman Friday. Uh, first of all, I don't want nobody to have fun on a day dedicated to me. What would you this like? This is all them, about me. What do you want them doing? <laughs> to serve me. Oh, I see. That's what uh, I would do. That's what I would like to do. Wow. Bow down. I'm glad you're on that spiritual journey. I, I hope yeah. uh, it's fruitful from like more fruitful in the future than it's been up to this point. You know what? It it has I heard, been. I heard he's I heard he's been attending Crossroads in Lansing. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's a lot of churches called Crossroads around the country. As a we, matter, we are not affiliated. It is what? not a denomination. Crossroads in Lansing. That's what he's been attending. No. As a, as a so. matter of fact, I uh, I've been going to a a, a church um, that I started myself. Oh, that's I, shocking. I, oh, okay. I felt like I was called into ministry. <laughs> And, uh, I've seen you on that that reality show with the pastors, one? the black pastors. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm Tyler, I think, is on there too. I, I, everybody, look out for no, Preachers of Detroit. Preachers of Detroit, uh, 2018. Yeah, you were coming up. It hasn't yeah. been released to the public yet, but I, Tyler, and I got a sneak peek because I'm a VIP because Tyler's in the show as well. Yeah. And so he, we got a sneak uh, preview. All, all black preachers are on this show. If you black and you <laughs> preach, you on this show. Okay. The white so, man lies again. Uh, see, Let me ask you: Is Carlton from Fresh Prince? Is he black? Carlton from Fresh Prince is a white man with soy sauce all on his skin. <laughs> that's, that's what he. That's is. what I do when I go hang out, like you know, in the inner city. I, that's that's how I do it. And that's why you are a supreme face. racist being. <laughs> that is why. I thought it, I thought he did blackface. That was uh, see you know. see blackface. You know. That blackface is it was created by white people to joke. And Noah's laugh. family and Noah's and, family exactly. His 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 grandfather. See, I knew your grandfather Noah. <laughs> I actually had to get some slaves for him. You oh. know, you know. So I just you know he was a cool guy, real good good guy. He he gave his life to Jesus Amen. and he and he turned it all around. But I told him I said, hey brother, what you gonna do with these slaves, baby? I can sell them. I can go right down to Mississippi, get them off quick for you. He said, "No, look at that." This brother, to oh. my listeners, this white guy showed me a picture of some blackface. You know what? That's See, that's why I gotta leave. Profile. I gotta leave. I gotta get out of here. Listen, y'all, I got a jet, and I just want to let y'all know if it if it's white, then you know it ain't right. If it's black, then it can't be whack. Peace, love, soul, and chicken grease. Wow. Tyler, how'd you think that went? Uh, <laughs> that was unacceptable on many levels. <laughs> hey, li- listen, man, I'm, I'm kind of happy he's on his spiritual journey. He is. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he gets better. Because, I mean, you, listen. He, is he talking about hopefully, spirits? Hopefully. Like, the liquor store sells spirits? I think so. Is that the type of spirits? I, I really think so. <laughs> he said he's sober while he's drinking wine on the pyramids. You, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. It's not... It's, well, yeah. you, you guys, you guys aren't doing a good dis- job discipling him. In he is does not attend this church. Let me say this: oh. we are a church that reaches out to all people, <laughs> and just because you show up on a Sunday, we welcome you in as come as you are. It does not mean you're a member here. It does not mean we approve of your lifestyle. That's right. But we love he, you. Over, right. I thought he was over the kids ministry. He's not no, over the kids. He ministry. Is not. He yeah. thinks oh. he's over everything. <laughs> he believes he's over everything. Just because he can fly over the church does not mean he's over it. He likes to hover oh. above the church while I'm preaching. Uh, drop, you know, 
obscenities and things like that uh, uh, over us. And you, it doesn't mean he's over the church. But no. you know, he's still, he's still better than your sermons. But one still thing we, we need to talk for. We need to talk That's uncalled for and unloving. We got to talk to him, man, because he's uh, he got this little side business where he's cutting on cable and uh, electric uh, illegally. That is wrong. That's black. Superman I've heard that he s- he he spreads around Netflix usernames and passwords <laughs> that other people can use. That's illegal. <laughs> Yes, hey, man, you should I go just, to jail for that. I just got, I just got my username and password. I know from, from Black Superman. Yeah, that's illegal. Don't do that, kids. He he has his own satellite, and uh, you know we get we, all this stuff for free. I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go. You gotta go. I gotta go. He's gonna blow his bladder one day. <laughs> all right, hey, guys. Now that the white guys left, welcome to the Black Power Podcast, where we think all white people are devils. <laughs> Not all, just most. <laughs> just most. Send us an email at choppingituppodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear what you have to say. So send in your comments so we can read them on air and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm.